Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Maybe in the afternoon, at work, you go to a quiet place. Uh, that prayer time doesn't have to necessarily be in the church, but I know some of you love going to a park or to a stream, just where it's quiet, where you could be close to nature and you're just quiet at that moment and God speaks to you. That's where Jesus was, up on a mountain, hearing God's voice speaking to the Father. It could be that you're driving your car. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see. You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus leads Peter, James, and John up a mountain to pray. Pastor Ed admonishes us to do as Jesus did and carve out a particular time to pray. Some of us pray better when we are in a natural surrounding, such as the top of a mountain where Jesus and his disciples were. We can pray in our car, in a closet, or during a lunch break at work. It matters not where we pray. What matters is that we find the time to connect with our Heavenly Father so that we can cultivate intimacy with God and seek the Lord's will. Now here's Pastor Ed with part one of today's message entitled, Prayer Mountain. God made each of us with a desire to know Him. All of us have been created with an inner hunger for God. When a person comes to Christ and accepts the Lord as their personal Savior, that hunger is awakened to a greater degree as that new person inside of them has come alive. That's why new Christians hunger to read the Word to pray, to be in church, to be in the Christian community. And that hunger, we should never let it abate. Never let it just go down to nothing. Because that shows the sign of our spiritual health. That hunger for God's presence is seen in our worship. Remember the old hymn? What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, that desire to see God. Oh, I want to see him. I want to see him. We sing it in the choruses. Open my eyes that I might see Jesus. There is this inner hunger that all of us have as Christians to see God, to be with God, to be closer to Him. Uh, that's a sign that we're His children, that we have been born again. The enemy, the enemy of your soul, Satan, knows that your strength is directly proportionate to your relationship with God. And so the enemy will try to keep you from prayer, try to keep you from His presence. Jesus spoke to the inner circle. There were disciples, those who followed Jesus, a large group of people. And then there were the 12. And then there was the inner circle. They were privileged to be with Jesus at special occasions and special times. And this time, he invited them up to a mountain 
to pray. We don't know what mountain it was, but it was a high mountain, we know from the other Gospels. And as they labored to walk the path past the grassy line, past the tree line, they're alone in quiet and solitude, looking perhaps towards the Mediterranean Sea, looking over uh, perhaps the promised land, they began to pray. Jesus invited the inner circle to the place where they would receive strength for the journey because soon Jesus would be facing crucifixion. Soon he would be facing rejection in Jerusalem. And now he calls them to come apart and pray. We need from this to get alone with God. How many of you know you can't sustain the Christian life just on a crowd experience? You need time alone with God. And so he calls them apart, this inner circle, and he wants to prepare them for the days the weeks, the months ahead. There's a personal invitation he gives them. God is inviting all of us as churches across our nation are now bowing their knees, calling on God, and with unity, praying. And Wednesday nights, we're going to be giving to prayer, to fasting, to communion. And every Friday morning during this season, we're going to have prayer and communion here at the church. The invitation is to come and pray. Look at Luke 9, 28 to 29. It says, after, about eight days after Jesus said this, there were a number of things that Jesus said to his disciples. He had told them that he was going to be crucified. He had told them the responsibilities of discipleship. He had taught them about taking up a cross. About eight days after this confession that Peter made, you're the Christ, he takes Peter, John, and James up to the mountain to pray. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you will hear this inner voice inviting you to pray. And that's the Holy Spirit. The closer we get to Jesus, the more pri- we will prioritize prayer in our lives. The closer we get to the Lord, the more prayer will become a dialogue rather than a monologue. Sometimes I think in the prayer room we like to hear our voice. And so we pray and pray and pray, never stopping to hear what God has to say. God had to stop Peter. The Bible says that he didn't know what to say. Peter was so used to talking. It was a special moment and he just chatters on. And the father interrupts him. If we practice the presence of God, there'll be times of silence where we just listen to God. Take a baby step. Begin with maybe five minutes a day. Well, that doesn't seem like much. But sometimes when you put that five minutes and say, I got this five minutes to pray, it seems like an hour. But but take a passage of scripture. 
Like the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew chapter 6. Or take the Sermon on the Mount. That's 5, 6, and 7. And pray the scripture. Over the Beatitudes. Lord, make me merciful. Father, give me a pure heart. Is there anything inside that is not right with you? Take the Lord's Prayer and and begin just meditating and praying on that. And, And towards the end of that five minutes, just stop. And say, Lord, is there anything you want to say to me? And in silence, listen. Maybe in the afternoon, at work, you go to a quiet place. Uh, That prayer time doesn't have to necessarily be in the church, but I know some of you love going to a park or to a stream, just where it's quiet, where you could be close to nature and You're just quiet at that moment and God speaks to you. That's where Jesus was, up on a mountain, hearing God's voice speaking to the Father. It it could be that you're driving your car. Just don't close your eyes. But as you're driving your car, it could be a worship time where you just pray. My father-in-law loves to walk in the morning and he spends about a... 45 minutes or 40 minutes walking every day. And he goes right through his prayer list. He prays. I know the other night I couldn't sleep. And as I woke up, I just prayed for people in the church. I went through our deacons and their spouses and their children. Prayed for... uh, No, they need prayer too. (laughs) And I just began to pray. And, And so maybe it's at the middle of the night. You wake up and you pray. But Jesus wants prayer to be a part of our lives. And the closer you get to him, the more he invites you, the more he calls you and says, spend time alone with me. Uh, Amazing things happen when you pray. If you don't come apart to pray, you'll come apart. Prayer has a way of holding you together spiritually. It's food for the soul. Whenever you respond to the invitation, there is a revelation. Whenever you respond to God's invitation to come and spend time with him, you'll experience a revelation. Look at verses 29 to 31. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as flashing lightning. Two men. Moses and Elijah appeared in glorious splendor, splendor, taking, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. There they saw God in a way they hadn't seen him before. There they saw Jesus in the way they hadn't seen him before. Uh, They had come progressively to know Jesus' power. Uh, They saw Jesus as the one who could calm the storm on the sea. They saw him as the one who could multiply bread and fish and feed a multitude. They saw him as the one with power over death to raise the dead. And now on this Mount of Transfiguration, they were going to see Jesus' glory through the veil of flesh. His deity shone through. They saw it his pre-incarnate glory before he came to the earth. He, at that moment, the glimpse of his glory just was revealed to them. They saw his face shining as the sun, his garments glittering uh, just with brightness, 
Brighter than snow, one of the gospel writers tells us. This story is recorded in Mark and Matthew and Luke. The Synoptic Gospels. In that moment, they saw Jesus in the way they hadn't seen him. That's what happens when you spend time in prayer, when you spend time with God. That doesn't happen every time you close the door to your prayer closet and get alone with God. Sometimes it's like praying and you feel like your prayers don't get any higher than the ceiling. Uh, But consistently you do it, persistently you do it. And as you develop that discipline, there will be times of visitations. And here the disciples were. Peter and John and James, and they saw his glory. They saw Jesus in a way they had never seen him before. In the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verse 13, it says, As my vision continued that night, I saw someone who looked like a man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, royal power over all the nations of the world so that every race and nation and language would obey him his rule is eternal it will never end see they saw Jesus transform this was a transformation Jesus in the midst was transformed before them and and I tell you that some of the greatest places of transformation in your life will be in the place of prayer In that place of communion with God, where God will speak to you and you will be changed from the inside out. Something else happened there, a conversation. Not only was there transformation, but a conversation. Two men, Moses and Elijah. Why Moses and Elijah? Why these two men? Why not Abraham? Why not David? Well, I think because Moses was the giver of the law. And I could picture a conversation going on between Jesus and Moses. Moses said, I gave the law, but the law was only a schoolmaster. It brought people to the place that they realized they needed the lamb. And so they would look at the lamb sacrificed on the altar. And Jesus, you're the lamb of God. You're going to Jerusalem to sacrifice yourself for your people. And then I could imagine him saying, I remember, Lord Jesus, when I struck the rock in the wilderness and water gushed out of it and supplied the needs of the people. You're the rock. And when you're smitten, it's going to be as the water of life is given to those that are thirsty. And I could picture Moses saying, I I know what it is to be rejected by my own people and to have people murmur and complain. I understand. Moses also had been in the mount with God and his Hunger was for the glory of God. Elijah had experienced that as well. There in the mount, he heard the still, small voice of God, and God spoke to him. And here, Moses, the giver of the law, and Elijah, uh, the Jews considered him the greatest of the prophets. There Elijah is. He says, Lord, I remember on Mount Carmel, I called fire down from heaven. I thought... The whole nation would repent after the prophets of Baal were slain. But Jezebel sought my life. Don't be disappointed, Jesus. 
I know. I know what it is to be rejected. I know. And you're going to Jerusalem. But your father's going to be there with you. And and I, I can picture them encouraging him. Because the Bible tells us, you know, they had a conversation. It tells us what they talked about. They talked about his departure in Jerusalem. And really, it was this exodus. You could translate it that way. His exodus. He was going to lead an exodus in Jerusalem. They were confirming to Jesus what Jesus had told his disciples, what the Father had told him. They were confirming to him that he was going to give his life a ransom for men's souls, to redeem men. And here, as they began to talk about his departure, his exodus, Jesus, I led an exodus to the Red Sea and all the Israelites walked on dry land. Elijah says, you know, I I had a departure in that wonderful chariot of fire but you, uh, you're going to lead an exodus of people that are right now bound in that area called paradise. And when you die, and a third day when you are raised from the dead, there's going to be a mass resurrection in Jerusalem. There are going to be souls freed from this Old Testament period, and they're going to have an exodus into heaven. And that happened on the day that Jesus died and the, re- the veil was rent in two. The Bible says that the graves are opened. When Jesus rose from the dead, he was encouraged. That's what happens when you have revelation. When you accept the invitation, you'll have a revelation that will strengthen you for the journey. It will strengthen you to go forward with God. They confirmed To him, the Father's will. When you get alone with God, you have to listen to God. You have to listen to God. It's not just talking. It's listening. How would you have felt if you were Peter? Peter had foot and mouth disease, always putting his foot into his mouth. I mean, he never lacked for words. He could think of something to say, and here he is saying something. I guess we ought not be too hard on him, but God wanted to speak in the language of events, and sometimes he does that. Do you listen to him? Events that transpire, things that come into our life, Sometimes we have to just sit and listen and say, God, what are you saying? It was a holy moment on that mountain. Could you imagine seeing Moses and Elijah? No other Old Testament personage, no one in the Old Testament ever saw Moses after he died. After God presided over his funeral and buried him on the mountain, no one ever saw Elijah the prophet after that chariot whisked him up into the heavens. Here's Peter, James, and John seeing these Old Testament leaders, these giants of the faith. What a holy moment. Look at the text with me. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. But when they became fully awake... 
They saw the glory, his glory, and two men standing with him. As the men were leaving, Peter said to to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. That's the understatement of the scriptures. It's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, for Moses, and one for Elijah. And the biblical author Luke puts a commentary here. He did not know what he was saying. What Peter wanted to do is what often what you and I want to do. We want to freeze the moment. We just want to put it into still mode and and keep it. Peter made a common mistake. First of all, what he was doing at that moment was he was putting Jesus on the level of Moses and Elijah. And God was going to correct him and we'll come to that in a moment. But Peter wanted to live in the moment rather than from the moment. See, Peter wanted to live in the moment rather than from the moment. God gives us holy encounters, experiences with him, not so that we can stay on the mountain, but that we could use it in the valley. He wanted to memorialize the moment. Let's build three shelters here. It's good for us to be here. We're not called to get stuck in the past. Now, sometimes people do that. They get stuck in the past. Now, could you picture this? Peter and John and James coming down. Boy, what an experience. Moses and Elijah and and Jesus. And we saw Jesus in his glory. And all they did was go back there. No, they had to go forward. When you live from the moment, it prepares you for the future. It prepares you to achieve your goals. It prepares you to achieve the purposes that God has for your life. See, God was preparing Peter, James, and John for the crisis of faith that they would experience when Jesus would be crucified, rejected. Sometimes we're constantly looking for a bigger high. Now, could you imagine that? Peter, James, and John. Now, they didn't tell anybody else, but they come down from the mountain. Boy, wasn't that great. What's the next mountain going to be like? Well, that was Calvary. Sometimes, church consists of people looking for a high. An emotional experience. Now, don't get me wrong. They're there at times. But that's not where we live. Uh, don't be like those Christians that are constantly searching for an emotional experience. And if they have that emotional experience, that becomes church to them. Sometimes um, what happens is we look back to those moments and we want to just memorialize them and keep them and measure everything by them. No, they were meant to prepare you to reach your goal. They were meant to prepare you to achieve God's purposes in your life. They were meant to strengthen you for the journey. There's a quote that I'd like to read. It says, 
The experiential component is not the focus of the worship. It's only one indicator of the worship's personal involvement. That's really good. The Gospels are grand central station for learning about Jesus, which is the single most important part of our lives as Christians. Please join us each day as Pastor Ed teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Building in Faith.